Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and so glad that you've tuned in today uh, to have a conversation with us during the next hour or so, where we will be discussing all things uh, things that are important to us here in the body of Christ. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, when people ask what we do with the program, this is what we do. And, you know, it's interesting because there are so many different topics that we can address. But one of the things that I think is important for us to stress is that we do, in fact, actually address the topics as opposed to just kind of pretending they're not there. Here's what I mean by that. It would be really easy for us to look at what's happening in the culture right now. And, um, well, this is something I learned from Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. Uh, these are guys who you might know them. They're the Boundaries guys. They wrote a book called Boundaries. I think it was their, uh, it might have been a master's thesis or a doctoral dissertation for one of them when they were in school here locally in uh, Rosemead uh, uh, School of Psychology at uh, the campus of Talbot Seminary at Biola University. And when they talk about boundaries, one of the things that they stress often is the idea that uh, individuals oftentimes spend a lot of effort and a lot of energy trying to fix problems when in actuality what really needs to be done is trying to identify patterns and i remember hearing that for the first time and i thought that is absolutely brilliant i mean just really brilliant the idea that i'm knocking stuff off my table here um the idea that we as people often focus so much on the problems that are in our way that we forget that those problems are the result of patterns of behavior and really the only constant that we have in that conversation is us. So when we take a look at something like the sanctity of human life, for example, those of us who are pro-life will differentiate between being pro-life and pro-birth. Here's what I mean by that. Someone who is pro-birth says, I don't want the woman to have an abortion. Gives to preborn maybe, or a pro-pregnancy resource center and says, here, show this woman the ultrasound, because when she sees the ultrasound, she's not going to, she'll see the baby's face and she won't want to have an abortion. There, did my job. To which I would counter, okay, well, if we are pro-life as opposed to pro-birth, pro-life then asks the question, okay, what then? What happens to the mother once she just chooses not to abort her child? What happens to the baby? What if mom has a hard time making it financially? Maybe she's trying to go to school. Maybe she's a younger mom and her family doesn't want her to have the baby and they've decided that she needs to uh, not live there anymore. That's a very real problem that women run into. What if she's with a guy in a relationship and he says, I don't want to be a dad? You get the idea. Being pro-life says you look at every aspect of what's going on and you're willing to take the consequences of your actions. I want to thank everybody who has been partnering with us so far for the better part of the past nine months that we've been sharing with you about preborn. The preborn campaign here has been so effective. $75,000 raised so far. Uh, we've had a lot of individual gifts. We've also had a number of people who've donated. We've, I think we've been able to provide enough funding for four. Well, no, wait, my math must be off because we've had at least four uh, ultrasound machines that are donated just, just through the bottom line show. Just did another one recently, thanks to your help and Dennis Wilson and Wilson Financial Services. And we're not letting up. We're not letting up at all. We want women to have the opportunity to know that they get pro-life care when they go to a pre-born clinic. That means that this may be the first time they're going in for an ultrasound. Maybe it might be the first pregnancy test they're getting. It might be the first calm person, calm voice of reason that they're hearing. I remember talking to a very well-known pro-life activist back in the 80s and 90s who said he changed his tune dramatically when he saw a woman going to an abortion clinic and she was crying. And he said, for whatever reason, God touched him on the shoulder and said, ask her why she's crying. Ask her how she's feeling. Don't hand her the lecture about why, you know, it's infanticide and you don't want to murder a child in the womb. Just ask her how she's doing. And she just, she rushed into his arms and just said, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. And this is what the pro-life community does. The pro-abortion community says, well, if you're scared, we'll make you more scared until you kill that kid. But we won't call it killing a kid. We'll call it ending a pregnancy. 
we're call, we'll call it, uh, you're no longer pregnant. And you can donate the child's remains. Wait, you didn't kill a baby, so what? Uh, well, see, fetal remains aren't a human being anyway, right? Well, well, they are. See, that's a hard truth. But a very loving thing to do is to say we support the sanctity of human life. We realize that there are kids that are conceived in all sorts of, all manner of situations. I have uh, two people who are close to me. I can't really call them friends because they're more family. Uh, my friends, uh, Charles and uh, uh, Charles and Julie, uh, who are related to my daughter, Emily, and her husband, Brian. The Wallaces have three daughters of their own. Charles is a pastor and construction worker and Julie's a homemaker and a teacher. And they had three uh, biological daughters and then their church started looking at kids in foster care and saying, these kids need to be fostered and they started taking in foster kids. They took in several before they wound up actually adopting four. Four boys, three of them actually have the same biological parents. All three of these kids have, or all four of these kids have emotional challenges and physical challenges. It's been quite a full-time job for them to raise these boys. But being pro-life says, hey, don't kill your child in the womb just because you're not fit or capable or financially you know, sufficient to do this. But then it also steps up and says, okay, we'll help you find adoptive parents. In some cases, we'll be the adoptive parents on our own, ourselves, we'll do this. And we'll help you. I mean, you realize that a woman, say a young girl, uh, 18, 19, 20 years of age, I guess that still qualifies as girl these days, as opposed to woman. Uh, finds out she's pregnant, uh, gets the, the stereotypical stiff arm from her family. You know, we're a good Christian family. I can't believe you did this. You've disgraced the family name. You can't live here anymore. Boyfriend says, I'm not marrying you. What, 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 what. Next thing you know, what, what are her options? Has a hard time finding work, can't go to school. Where is she going to live? What about health insurance? I mean, there's all sorts of problems that she has to deal with in that point. And then what if she chooses to be a mom? It's going to be a tough road to hoe. That's why the preborn clinics are so important. That's why it's so important for us to support them. A $28 donation makes it possible for preborn to do an ultrasound uh, session, if you will, pregnancy test, ultrasound, pictures of the kids, and gets the opportunity for the gospel to be presented to the woman who's having the ultrasound. 100,000 or so babies saved every year through preborn, and another 10,000 women come to faith in Christ. is all it takes, completely tax-deductible donation, 833-850-BABY. It's even easy to remember the phone number. (laughs) We thank the hundreds of bottom-line listeners who have, uh, and National Crawford Roundtable listeners, who have supported Preborn in the past. I want to put it to us again. We're going to do another ultrasound machine between now and, well, let's see, now and October 1st. 833-850-BABY. I know there's a bottom-line listener who wants to put up a, a match, whether it be 3750 or 7500 takes $15,000 for one ultrasound machine. And I know there's a bottom line listener listening right now who wants to do that. Maybe two. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. Now, here's another thing about being pro-life. When we are pro-life, we make decisions that sometimes have consequences that can cost us money. Here's case in point. And sometimes, nowadays, evil doesn't even try to hide it. United States Senator Tommy Tuberville from Alabama is furious with what happened in the White House a couple of weeks ago. Well, actually, it's just last week. Here's what happened. The Biden administration has been planning on moving Space Command for the United States Space Station out of existing quarters and into Huntsville, Alabama. They've been planning on doing this for quite some time. Last week... What happened was the Biden administration didn't about face. And all of a sudden on Monday, they canceled plans to move the Space Command to Huntsville and announced its relocation to Colorado Springs. Now, on Colorado Springs, I mean, for us here, I mean, bottom line show, we air on KLTT in Denver, KLDC also in Denver too. I mean, it's a big, it's a big get for the space program and with the Air Force Academy here and everything, it makes a lot of sense. But when you read between the lines and you begin to see why this actually happened, it gets a little more insidious. According to the Pentagon, quote, President Biden chose the Colorado City because it ensures peak readiness in the space domain for our nation during a critical period. 
It will also enable the command to most effectively plan, execute, and integrate military space power into multi-domain global operations in order to deter and defend national interests. Now, three years ago, Huntsville was chosen and was considered to be the prime location after an extensive review process. But the Biden administration came in and said, no, we want Colorado Springs. They're better prepared. Uh, By the way, Huntsville was first in the drawing. There was a second and third and fourth place contender as well. Colorado Springs was deemed by the Pentagon to be the fifth best option. But do you have any idea why President Biden would have leapfrogged over Alabama and three other conservative states and then chosen Colorado Springs? Well, Tommy Tuberville didn't hold off. He said this is blatant patronage politics. Politicizing our military, destroying our recruiting, misusing our tax dollars, and now with an extremist social abortion agenda. You got it. They could say all they want about effective military planning and military readiness, but the reality is it appears that President Biden made the switch because Colorado is a pro-abortion, abortion on demand all the way up through the ninth month of pregnancy state and all the other states that were better suited for this are pro-life. Sad day of affairs when, uh, we say at state of affairs, when the president of the United States politicizes a decision like this, that could have such huge implications for people in Alabama and other states. Going to be a great boon for Colorado, but the reason for this, let's make no mistake, brothers and sisters, we are in a war and the enemy is taking as many prisoners as possible. We'll put this story up at thebottomlineshow.com. Another area where the enemy is really making some hay these days is the area of addiction. And if you are a person who has battled addiction and fought it, I applaud you, congratulations. You didn't do it by yourself. You had family and friends who were with you. But what about the family and friends? Trying to make sense of the chaos that their life has become. I mean, addiction tears families apart. You're preaching to the choir here, Roger. I know that firsthand. Therapist Travis Thompson understands that too, and that's why he's written a book for the family members of people who are battling addiction. The book is called To Those Left Behind, Helping Partners and Families Understand and Heal from Addiction. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we're giving away a copy of the book today. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Travis Thompson joins me next as The Bottom Line continues. You're a Christian who's been injured, so you need Christian attorney Stephanie Cover of Cover Law to fight for you. With Stephanie, it's not just a routine legal process, it's a spiritual battle. She understands that a legal fight involves more than flesh and blood. It means confronting principalities and powers, and that's why she consistently prays with and for her clients. She forms long-lasting relationships with her clients, just as you would expect from someone who engages in spiritual battle alongside another believer. Praise for Stephanie pours in through cards, thank you texts, and letters from clients who thank her for checking up on them, coming to see them in the hospital, praying, and even finding alternative care when current care is inadequate. Inspired by Jesus' command to love one another, Stephanie uses her skill as an attorney and knowledge of insurance processes to fight for your completeness and healing. Don't wait any longer. Contact Stephanie Cover today at kbrightradio.com slash cover and let her take up your spiritual battle. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, for those who are listening on the radio, those who are listening on the podcast and also who are watching at myhopenow.com, we're going to get into a topic that uh, has been coming up a lot in writing and, and speaking and from some of the guests we've had here on The Bottom Line show, but this takes a slightly different view. And for me, it's kind of personal too. Travis Thompson is with me. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist. He specializes in addiction. He's written a book called To Those Left Behind, Helping Partners and Families Understand and Heal from Addiction. You got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Travis Thompson, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. When do we get to call you Dr. Thompson? I know you're in, <laughs> you're in that PhD process and having a daughter to finish that up. It goes on forever, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Um, I finish up about 
beginning of fall 2024. Okay. Um, I'm about to get into my dissertation work very mm-hmm. shortly. Well, I'm glad we got to see you before you buried in that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, please tell your wife we're praying for her. too. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about addiction. I mean, you, you have a story about it. A lot mm-hmm. of people are dealing with it. And more and more people, I think, are trying to deal with it than try to run from it which is good. Um, you quote that noted psychologist, Bob Newhart in your book, and I'd love for you to kind of help us get started here. The people watching at my hope now are going, wait, they're laughing. I mean, come on. Let, yeah. w- what do we learn from Bob Newhart about this type of thing? Because I got to get the sense that maybe that's where a lot of us are in terms of understanding addiction. So in graduate school, there was uh, a wonderful professor that I had, and he tried to get us on board with the understanding of what psychology and counseling has been and what it is now. And there's a mad TV skit with Bob Newhart where a woman comes in and um, he, he bills her for every minute. And he just, every time she mentions something, he just yells, well, stop it. And she said, well, here's my great fear. And he goes, well, um, stop it or I'll bury you alive in a hole. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's been the big, uh, it stuck in my mind is like, this is what we want to push against in total. But all of the chapters are named something fun like that. That's meaningful. Yeah. To yeah. Me. Well, you've got a reference for Jimmy Dugan too. So I can't wait to get into a league of their own, but let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about addiction for just a moment because sure. I mean, it's become so widespread. I think mm-hmm. during the pandemic, it was exacerbated, but sure. that was really, that, that was nothing new to guys like you who've been studying this for a long time. Talk about how it's progressed and how the church is finally starting to wake up and say, you know what? It's here too. The pandemic, I, I remember specifically sitting with my wife when things started shutting down and when we realized it was going to be a while. I remember looking at her and going, oh no, this is going to be really, really, really bad. Um, and she works in a school. And so we knew that kids weren't going to get seen as much. If they're virtual, we can't check in with kids. Right. And so we just, all of a sudden we lost eyes on an entire population Mm. and people got so distant from those that matter to them and what they needed. And all of us in this field were very, very scared and we're just catching up on data and looking back and studying things because we've just had this gap um, of time in the church. We're really starting to pay attention, I think in part because it's engaged more in culture but we're also experiencing it in our own backyards even more. It's getting really hard to just um, push to the side or defer to some community group when there's just so many people that are experiencing it, especially in our own churches. So I think the noise has just been made loud enough for long enough at this point. Travis Thompson is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. He is a licensed marriage and family therapist. Uh, He is the author of a brand new book called To Those Left Behind, which I highly recommend holding it up here for our My Hope Now people so you can see it backwards. Um, And that's uh, at (laughs) thebottomlineshow.com as well. Uh, The the, concept, that wake of people who are Mm -hmm. left behind, Mm -hmm. I think of my own personal story. You and I were talking before we started the conversation here, and I've shared with Bottom Line Show listeners about the fact that my first wife, Jenny, uh, was an alcoholic and she, uh, it wound up destroying our marriage and it ultimately wound up, uh, she lost her life at the age of 55, just a couple mm. of years ago. And it's been something that as I have worked through, my kids are working through my new wife, Lisa, you know, so it's still very mindful of the fact that that's a part of my story. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes when we are looking at addiction in the church, um, we particularly look at the addiction and say, well, let's help the addict. Let's help the person Mm -hmm. who's dealing with that struggle. And everybody else is just going to, well, your life will be better once we get their life better. Talk (laughs) talk about why it was was important for you to address those of us who know what it's like to have to clean up after the funeral, you know, to take care of the loose ends once they're not here. I first learned it when I was working in rehabilitation facilities that I would see the same people over and over. And they would tell me about how they would drink to cope. And then I started wondering, what about your wife? What about your husband? They're having to watch this entire thing and they don't even get to drink. They have to go through the whole thing sober. Mm. And I got into private practice 
partially because the birth of my daughter and I wanted more time at home, but I started to realize just how impactful spouses and families were. And I started orienting my practice that way. And as I got more and more experience in working with couples and engaging multiple psychological theories that I outline in the book, um, but I've developed them for my own practice, I started noticing how fast turnarounds could be. Mm. I started noticing the great impact that things like boundaries had. And so as I was leaning into this, I was, I remember praying one day, like, God, I know that I should write a book one time. And he said, oh, it starts today. <laughs> so I wrote it in four and a half months. Wow. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's remarkable. And I wish I had this 20 years ago, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I realized that you were probably in elementary school back then, but <laughs> young enough guy, but, but it's true because, and again, I didn't mean to imply that the only way that you were going to be able to cope with this is after someone had lost their sure. life because of an addiction. But the fact that you are kind of walking wounded, um, almost kind of walking dead when you're dealing mm. with somebody who's in an addictive state because you spend so much time trying to keep one foot on the pier and one foot on the boat, if you will, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of balancing and that balancing act that you do. Talk about some of the strategies, because I'm sure when you're dealing with people, obviously the person who's addicted has an issue that they have to deal with and there's, you know, treatment plans for them. But what do you start telling the Al-Anon side of the uh, family, if you will, whether it's alcohol or pornography or whatever it is you're dealing with. The number one thing that you have to do is get healthy yourself. I don't just mean indignant or frustrated. I mean, right. actually working on the things that you need to work on um, and creating a sense of meaning for who you are and what your purpose is in this world. Um, to the Al-Anon part of it, um, Part of healing is addressing problematic relationships. You can't really heal if you are actively engaged in an unhealthy relationship and aren't doing anything to change it. Right. And so that's one of the criticisms I put in the book is that, you know, we we can feel better, but without that true engagement and trying to resolve or make a change, it ends up being self-soothing rather than pure growth. Mm, boy, that's self-soothing that 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 will haunt many of us for quite some time, you know, in terms mm -hmm. of saying, hey, I realize that it's kind of like I think there was a movie that predates you. Uh, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't called when a man loves a woman. It's kind of a days of wine and roses type of thing mm -hmm. where a woman is an alcoholic, her husband's trying to hold things together. But as she starts to get better, he begins to realize his whole life was all about her alcoholism mm -hmm. and without her being addicted. Now he doesn't know who he is. Absolutely. And, 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 and that happens in the church, especially we're talking about people who have a faith story or maybe somebody who I'm a Christian and my husband wandered away from it and crawled inside a mm -hmm. ball, bottle or, or something like that. Talk mm -hmm. about the role that faith plays into it. Cause I mean, we could talk about this uh, psychologically and from a therapy standpoint all day long, sure. but obviously you're a Christian and you know, there's that faith component too. Well, Roger, I'll have to be honest with you. The next book that's coming out next year highlights this a little bit more. Okay. So, <laughs> but <laughs> well, great. We'll have to have you back on for that one too. Hey, yeah. sounds good. Um, so, so the faith aspect is a really big part of it for me. Um, I throw biblical references and everything that I write. If you're mm. paying a little bit of attention, you'll see it. The The relationship that we have with God should absolutely the be the way that we interact with our spouse, that open form of communication where there's accountability, but also caring, how we see that there's love and compassion, but also engagement. And so if we learn to have the healthy relationship, not that God just designs for us within marriage, but the one that we have for him, and we learn to apply that correctly, all of a sudden that faith doesn't become just theoretical. It becomes very practical. And even something that you can suggest without having to go to a psychologist or psychiatrist, you can literally just open up the Bible and go, well, this is what it says, and this is why. And you got up in front of all of these people and said, till death do us part in sickness and in health, and I'm tired of you choosing to be sick. Here's what we mm. do. Mm, boy, that's powerful insight from Travis Thompson. I'm going to go ahead and call you Dr. Travis Thompson. If that's okay. <laughs> We're just preemptively because Lord knows you put in enough work to do this. Um, the book is called To Those Left Behind. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, the discussion about helping partners and families understand and heal from addiction. More of this conversation in just a moment as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. 
Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years? After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Travis Thompson is my guest, and we're talking about his outstanding book called To Those Left Behind, helping partners and families understand and heal from addiction. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and I apologize. I think in the early segment, I mentioned that we do have one copy of the book to give away. We actually have two. 800-227-5278. If you are in a relationship in your family with a family member who has an addiction problem, if you are that person who maybe is married to somebody, uh, trust me, you know how lonely it can feel when you're dealing with someone who's erratic and unpredictable, and even they can't, you know, process life. Um, those who are, you know, trying to deal with this uh, from a biblical perspective, this is a fantastic resource, especially if that addiction led to the ultimate demise of your loved one. Travis Thompson, the book To Those Left Behind, Helping Partners and Families Understand and Heal from Addiction, written by a young guy who almost watched his parents divorce over his partying and addiction when he was younger. We've got two copies of the book to give away, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. This is a powerful story, and I, it's not every day I kind of insert myself into it, but for those of you who have been listening to the program for the past 12 years and you understand um, you know, what my story is, this is, uh, this is a part of uh, the ministry that I have, that I've, uh, I've been called to. And um, I have to admit, it's not an easy one to share, but whenever a resource comes along that can help people in this situation, if you've got an adult child who's wrestling with alcohol and it's tearing your family apart, or uh, a grandchild who's got a drug problem, this is a great resource. Travis Thompson, to those left behind, helping partners and families understand and heal from addiction. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. More of this conversation in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Travis Thompson is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. If you're watching on My Hope Now, I'm holding up a copy of his new book, which is called To Those Left Behind, Helping Partners and Families Understand and Heal from Addiction. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and he already has another book in the works that'll be coming out next year. So uh, we're enjoying this conversation and Tamara's already booked Travis to come back on next year. We have to call him Dr. Thompson because he'll have all those student loans to pay off once. I know I'm a big help. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> this I, I was drawn to this book initially and we we're having a lighthearted moment, but I was drawn to this book initially because of the fact that it's written more for the parents, the families, the spouses, mm -hmm. the people who get caught in the, the wake of someone's addiction. And I know what that's like. I lived that mm -hmm. for 25 years of marriage and my kids know what it's like to grow up as ACAs. And, and that's you know, that, that whole issue. And now it impacts my current marriage because my wife knows that uh, that was my first marriage. Mm -hmm. um, during the break, we were talking about the way you describe addiction. And, um, and, and you used an emotional term, which I thought was interesting. And I'd love for you to unpack this for us, Travis, because a lot of times we'll think, well, just get rid of the booze, just get rid of mm. the drugs, just get rid of the porn, you know, and, and that'll mm. solve the problem. But you said it goes a lot deeper than that. Talk about that. There is one comment that I do make to couples when I work with them. And usually the addict is offended and the partner goes, oh my goodness, that's it. Um, I describe addiction as an emotional affair. So I'm going to hit you with my favorite alcoholic joke. If you would laugh, that would make me feel better about okay. myself. Um, <clears throat> so let's say that a husband and wife can't resolve their issues and there's fighting. They can't resolve emotions. And the husband, instead of leaning in and finding a way to figure it out, he goes to the garage and hangs out with Brandy. Hmm. Brandy meaning the alcohol. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. Um, if we were to just slightly change some of the details 
Like, let's take alcohol to an ex on Facebook. The two of you fight, you can't resolve issues. And how does the husband feel safe? Oh, he goes to talk to an ex on Facebook. Well, now we've got a whole riot on our hands, right? Yep. Yep. Um, I don't think addiction is that different. It's just really hard to argue with a substance. You can go yell mm. at an ex. You can't mm -hmm. really yell mm -hmm. at a bottle. Wow. And so that's why it gets defeating. Yeah. Yeah. And that once you make it personal and do so in a way that the other person can't really argue with it, then, mm. then you get to the deeper issues of, do you want this resolved? You know, mm. are we going to, you know, take the steps, you know, what, what kind of choices are being made? Because you mentioned in the earlier segment, Travis, the, the idea that uh, once the, the partner or the family member or members, as the case may be, uh, mm. has a, you know, a more solid uh, foundation to stand on, then they can say, hey, wait, we're fighting for the health of us individually, but also of our family. And and the name of the game, first and foremost, is health and, and restoration of that health. Is it, have you ever gotten to a point in your counseling where you look at someone and say you're too far gone? It's not there. It's irreparable. Um, well, I haven't had any dead people in my practice. Mm, OK, OK, well said. Very well said. <laughs> There's someone listening to us right now, though, that says, look, Travis, you don't understand. You should. My husband has been doing this. My wife has been my son, my daughter. I just don't know what to do. I'm literally at my wits end. Help them understand. I mean, obviously buy the book, read the book, but help sure. them understand what some good first steps are because there's a good chance that they may just be stuck in a pattern of futility and they don't know how to get out of it. You have to live the healthy life that God has called for you. And <clears throat> what that looks like is up to the faith that you have, but that doesn't mean it has to include them in the capacity that it is now. Just because there's hope for them in the future doesn't mean you have to be a part of it. You get to go live your life. You get to go have all of these things that God has offered to you. And so for the one that feels like they're stuck in what do I do, you don't have to do it. Chances are you've been doing this for many, many years at this point, and it's not going to be just one more time and they'll get it. Right, right. right. Talk about your own story. I'm talking with Travis Thompson uh, today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called To Those Left Behind, Helping Partners and Families Understand and Heal from Addiction. Uh, nobody wakes up one day and says, you know, that's the ministry I want. I mean, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm going right there. I had a perfect childhood. My parents were great, married for 70 years. I'm going to yeah. go help people with addiction. It, it's been my experience anyway that yeah. you got a story. Uh, how does your story play into the role that you're playing now to help families work through this? I had my own issues with addiction um, in my middle teenage years. Um, I was what I call a sprinter, meaning that I didn't just develop over, you know, 10, 15 years and it crept up. Nope. I, I just went right there, right for it. Head first. Oh, yeah. It was, I was very, <laughs> very, uh, very good at it. Um, but it ended up bringing me to almost the end of my life um, wow. so much that I had planned it. And then I spent a not so voluntary time <laughs> in a psychiatric <laughs> facility. Um, God bless my parents, but that's the only time I've ever heard them threaten the cops on me. So that was mm. fun. Mm -hmm. um, but from there, I realized, okay, so this isn't it. This isn't how life is supposed to be. I ended up learning more and more about myself and more and more about how my brain is wired. I get to grad school and I start to realize that if I was sitting here talking about coping skills all day to people, I would not want to be a therapist. Right. And I really loved digging in the mud. And I really loved being there with people that others had left behind. Others mm. <clears throat> that didn't seem to have value. And I started realizing, hey, I'm energized by this. I'm not codependent on it. I get to go home at the end of the day. I'm fine. But when I engage in this, I'm excited. I want to write about it. I want to do research about it. Like God and the Holy Spirit is there with me in it. And that was the biggest confirmation. I love that. What about your parents? I mean, in terms of, and those that were in your wake as you, mm -hmm. now, that, are they benefiting of these principles that have helped them? Or they look at this and say, yeah, yeah, this is, this is what you need to do because we're <laughs> still in relationship with you, Travis. So, so <laughs> something must be working here. Yeah. Well, I, I would say probably one of the biggest uh, influences on my recovery and life forward was my parents stepping away and dealing with their own marriage and their own stuff mm -hmm. uh, because it changed the way that they interacted with me, what they would tolerate, what they would not tolerate, but also that the way that they showed me compassion 
and they were able to have complex emotions like being upset with me, but also loving me. And mm. so for my parents, that was really the biggest thing for me because I was like 16, 17 when it got to the worst part of it. And that then molded into how they worked with my siblings because my sister very much remembers all of it. And so helping her realize that honesty and integrity and engaging in the terrible things is what leads to a healthy light has impacted her as well. Mm, boy, that is powerful. Travis Thompson, the brand new book is called To Those Left Behind, and we have a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. At the beginning of our conversation, I mentioned Jimmy Dugan, uh, one of my all-time favorite quotable movies anyway. <laughs> I used to watch <laughs> it a lot, but it seems like every time Tom Hanks opens his mouth, he's got something really brilliant to say. Uh, help us understand where he fits in the middle of all this. There was a time in my life where my family had no idea what mental health was. Um, it was just something that somebody talked about one time. And th there's a moment, I don't know if this actually happened or not, but there was a moment where I remember my dad saying that there's no crying in baseball. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that, that was like stuck out to me to say, well, you just need to suck it up and deal with it. And I, of course, having mental health issues way over applied it. And mm. so that's the little sticking point for me that I can go back and think about like, that was a moment that I remember, oh, just shut it all down. You'll be yeah. fine. It was yeah. not fine. You know, it's interesting when you mentioned that the first thing I thought of with Jimmy Dugan was either him drinking Coca-Cola on the bus instead of, you know, because he was recovering from alcoholism or <laughs> also just the idea where he talks about, you know, if this was easy, everybody would do it. It's the hard mm -hmm. that makes it great. And I thought, you know, when it comes to the work here, there are some people who, have that addictive person in their world, either their family mm -hmm. or their marriage, their work. And they get to the point where they just say, I'm going to learn how to tiptoe around it because quite frankly, it's just too difficult to try mm -hmm. to be healthy. Take the last minute to 90 mm -hmm. seconds of our time together, Travis Thompson, and speak to that person who says, yeah, but you don't understand. And I, I found something that works. It's a Band-Aid. It's a placebo. It mm -hmm. gets me through the day. I'm just going to ride this one out. That is reasonable if you only think about a very short period of time. I mm. always tell people, go back to what you thought your marriage was going to be. Mm. Go back to even sometimes the way that it was. The compromises you're making now are not one big jump. They were a whole bunch of small compromises over time. And so people get stuck thinking, oh, well, it's just one little thing. It's not. It's mm. oftentimes decades of compromises. When you start thinking about it like that, it carries a little more weight. Yeah, that's that's powerful insight. And I wish we could go on, but our time is up. But we'll have to have Travis back on again uh, to talk about this topic and the next one. Um, Travis Thompson, the book, I'm holding it up here for our myhopenow.com uh, visual audience to those left behind, helping partners and families understand and heal from addiction. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Travis, thank you for your candor. Uh, thank you for your vulnerability and sharing your own story, but also how God is using you now to help others. And mm -hmm. um, you and your wife have a, a, a blessed marriage. I pray that your PhD studies go well. As I mentioned before, this is my fatherly advice to you, having had a daughter <laughs> who just went through a six-year odyssey, finishing one of those. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's a lot of work, but it's well worth it once you, mm -hmm. they finally you know, put the hood on. So hang on there and uh, keep staying the course, and we'll look forward to talking with you when the next book comes out. But Travis, thank you so much for being with us today here on The Bottom Line Show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, powerful discussion. It's not easy to be the person who's married to an addict. It's not easy to be the child of an addict. And you, I've talked to a lot of people. I mean, I have three kids who are adult children of alcoholics um, at home and, and they, well, they're not at home, they <laughs> married it on their way, but they, they still wrestle with it. You know, the, 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 where do you get frozen in time in that relationship if someone passes away? Or how do you just find yourself tiptoeing through the day instead of saying, wait a minute, I need to make sure that I'm okay. This is a resource to help you figure out if you're okay. If you, I mean, let's face it, you get to your 50s, 60s, 70s, and you have an adult child who's in their 40s and still drinking themselves crazy, this is a resource you want. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And I'm so grateful that Travis Thompson, who's the author of the book, uh, has found a, a ministry in ther therapy and marriage and family therapy. And he's working on a PhD now. And I'm, I'm grateful that he was able to not only overcome the addiction with God's help, of course, good counseling and with his parents' support, but that their marriage didn't fall apart. 
while they were helping their teenage son work through this. Uh, keep it right here. On the other side of this break, we've got another story of another person who's working in the care ministries, trying to help those overcome addiction. And what she ran into is a First Amendment lawsuit that our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom were able to help her win. What happens when a counselor who is a Christian, who is counseling and doing grad student work at a state-run university, a public university, winds up having her ministry effectively shut down simply because this university did not like her religious viewpoints. We'll get into this good news story coming up next as the bottom line continues. My thanks again to Dr. Travis Thompson. I know he won't be that for another year, but we're going to speak to things that weren't as if they were. Uh, Outstanding book. uh, Highly recommended to those left behind, helping partners and families understand and heal from addiction. 800-227-5278. We have two copies of this book to give away. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. And I'll put this out as a caveat. If you are in a situation right now, maybe, I mean, trust me, having served on staff at a, a church that was predominantly seniors for so many years, I know what it's like to sit there and pray with the 70 year old man, the 80 year old woman who says, my son's a junkie and he's in and out of prison. My daughter's an alcoholic, and I sometimes we haven't seen her in two years. Um, you know, maybe somebody who's in their 50s or 60s and has a, uh, a kid. I, I can think of one family right now, just the sweetest family. And um, mom and dad split up because of mom's addiction problems. The daughter wound up with an addiction problem. Dad remarried, and he and his new wife had a couple of kids. They loved the older daughter, and she wound up in and out of rehab. And last I heard, she ran away from rehab. I mean, this is the resource that you need. This story is a lot more common than you think. Travis Thompson, to those left behind, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Hey, before we get into uh, NCR, National Crop Ground Table, coming up at the top of the hour here, I want to share some good news as we wrap up this half hour. Uh, you might have heard about this story involving a woman by the name of Maggie DeYoung. Maggie, it was a grad student at Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. And she was uh, doing her graduate work as far as counseling goes. Um, Basically, here's the, the situation that happened. Like a lot of students at SIUE, uh, Maggie DeYoung used to post materials to her social media accounts. Uh, If you're a grad student, especially in the counseling world, um, you've got uh, different people that you're interacting with. Um, You're teaching classes as a graduate teaching assistant. Um, And so you're going to be putting things up on social media. Uh, You're going to be sending messages to fellow students. You're getting into class discussions. Now, as you can imagine, um, over the past few years, things like COVID regulations and uh, critical race theory, politics, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, some students reported Maggie DeYoung's speech, as they put it, to university officials. In February of 2022, Southern Illinois University Edwardsville officials reportedly issued no contact orders against her. There were three fellow graduate students who complained that her expression of religious and political viewpoints constituted what they called, and I'm using their words here, harassment or harassment, if you will, and discrimination. Now, what's interesting about this is, basically, this is a woman who's a Christian. Obviously, her Christian faith was evident in some of the things that she posted. As a graduate student in the uh, counseling department, um, there were some of the students who were in art therapy that didn't really agree with her Christian biblical worldview. Fair enough. But here's the deal. Okay, the the conflict started when these students who had some rather left-leaning and liberal viewpoints didn't like her so-called conservative talking points. Um, there was the case involving Black Lives Matter, of course, during the summer of 2020. Uh, Marxism keeps coming up a lot. Uh, remember the Kyle Rittenhouse case where... In Kenosha, Wisconsin, there was, I think, a BLM rally that happened, and Kyle Rittenhouse was there working as an explorer scout. 
and he was being chased by a mob that had weapons and he was able to secure a gun and turn and fire on the people who were firing on him and two of them died and so of course then the left said oh well Kyle Rittenhouse you know and he was acquitted on her personal Twitter account Maggie DeYoung reposted a tweet by a guy called Andrew Bimo that referenced the January 6th 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol and basically the post said we can't destroy this country like the BLM riots now, what's interesting, she also posted something from John MacArthur um, about, you know, Christian and church and lockdown. Now, here's the thing. There are a lot of people who would look at the BLM rights and they take one of two sides. Either um, this has happened too long to black people in police custody and we have to burn the whole city down or you can't burn my city down with no point And no, so get out of here. You should be in jail. Now, I think that <laughs> the situation is way more nuanced than that. Have there been cases of police brutality specifically aimed at people of color? Of course there have over the years. There have been cases recently that have every earmarking of when the guys with the Ahmed Arbery case. Uh, a retired couple of cops and one of their sons decided to take justice into their own hands, saw a black guy running through a neighborhood. He looked like someone had been breaking into houses, they claimed, and they hunted him down and basically killed him. Now, it turned out he wasn't the guy, but... You know, I mean, they, that's the way they did justice in their town. They're now going to be serving life sentences, I believe. But at the same time, there were a lot of people who were showing up at BLM protests in the name of justice, and they were just burning stuff. I mean, Portland, Oregon, I don't think is ever going to recover from the fact that they literally shut the city down. They were throwing those, uh, the, those kind of newfangled Molotov cocktails at people, not the burning kind, but you go to Starbucks and get yourself a cup it's got some liquid in it, coffee or whatever. Pour some quick-drying cement in it and then throw it at a police officer. He doesn't think he's going to get hit until he does. And it wasn't until a gay conservative journalist called Andy No got hit in the face with one of those things. He reported on it and the left turned on him. What do you mean you're complaining? You shouldn't be complaining. You're gay. You know, whose side are you on? He said, look, I was there to cover this thing and tell people what's really happening. And it seems like a bunch of mindless nonsense. Black Lives Matter is an organization taking in hundreds of millions of dollars in donations and not doing anything to advance the causes they said they were doing so. Maggie DeYoung posts something like that on her Twitter page and a couple of fellow grad students say, I don't like that. That makes me feel uncomfortable. Your, your opinion's different than mine. And instead of having an actual conversation with her, they filed a lawsuit and basically <laughs> Southern Illinois University Edwardsville agreed with the grad students. It basically shut her down. So she contacted Alliance Defending Freedom. In May of 22, she sued uh, Randall Pembroke, who's the former chancellor at SIUE, Jamie Ball, who's the director for Equal Opportunity Access and Title IX Coordination, and Megan Robb, who's the program director of the Art Therapy Counseling Graduate Program at the college. From what I understand, Ms. DeYoung was also a member of the graduate counseling program. She alleged that harm to her by incidents and accidents by SIUE officials when she was a graduate student in that same program were very damaging to her. In February of 2022, SIUE officials reportedly issued the no contact orders against her that prohibited her from having any contact or even indirect communication with three fellow graduate students. They disclosed to her the materials underlying the no contact orders basically said you can't go online. You can't post the opinions that you want. You Christian. And so she retained Alliance Defending Freedom who filed a countersuit. They basically called it a baseless investigation. And, they, and what they were doing is that's in essence, what happened when they, uh, the university allegedly did their uh, investigation of Maggie DeYoung. In March of this year, a federal court ruled on a motion from SIUE and the three defendants wanting to dismiss the DeYoung versus Pembroke case. But the U.S. District Court in uh, Southern District of Illinois wrote this in their decision, quote, DeYoung clearly has the right, as enshrined in the First Amendment, to express her religious, political, and social views on her personal social media account and to engage in mutual conversations with fellow students regarding those opinions without fear of retaliation from school officials. So now Alliance Defending Freedom has given a press release, and what the terms of the press release 
entail are well worth our attention. So we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll do a little celebrating with our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom as the bottom line continues in just a moment. You know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with Preborn, one picture can say way more than that. And that picture I'm talking about is an ultrasound picture. Every donation that goes to Preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine, now that's a $15,000 investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to preborn right now. Call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. You still have a couple moments left to call in and win one of the two copies of the outstanding book by therapist and grad student himself, Travis Thompson. The book is called To Those Left Behind, Helping Partners and Families Understand and Heal from Addiction. This is not necessarily for, you know, here's how you help treat them for their addiction, but rather here's how you take care of yourself when addiction is tearing your marriage apart or your relationship with your kids apart or your whole family apart. 800-227-5278-800-227-5278-800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Little good news early, a day early, as Maggie DeYoung, a former grad student at Southern Illinois University in Edwardsville, filed a countersuit against three fellow grad students. Maggie works in the art therapy department. She's a grad student there. Art therapy counseling graduate program and three fellow, well, three fellow students plus the uh, chancellor of SIU, the director for equal opportunity access and the program director of the group. They filed a lawsuit basically cease and desist saying you can't put your Christian conservative viewpoints on social media and you can't contact us, meaning you can't put them up anywhere. In March of of this past year, a federal court ruled on a motion that would not dismiss the case. The court said that the dismiss would be granted in part and denied in part. DeYoung's efforts seeking declaratory relief related to invalidations of two policies was dismissed. They also dismissed one count related to Rob. Under the agreement reached in a lawsuit, though, Alliance Defending Freedom attorneys will conduct, I love this, in addition to paying $80,000 in legal fees and fines and things like that to Alliance Defending Freedom, the defendants in her suit, the ones who originally sued her, will now have to undergo training for First Amendment violations. That's right. Alliance Defending Freedom is now going to be hosting um, these uh, the, these different uh, training sessions. You know, I, I can't put this any other way. But basically, um, under the agreement, ADF attorneys will conduct a First Amendment training session with three professors at SIUE. And uh, in addition, SIUE will revise its policies and its student handbook to ensure that students with varying political, religious, and ideological views are welcome in the art therapy program. In other words, this is like one of the first lawsuits I've heard of in 12 years of doing the Bottom Line Show, where a state university that was relying on taxpayer funding that had just gotten so used to getting away with leftist ways of doing business was finally being held accountable. These are the first people who cry foul if you say something that they don't like. I'm offended. I'm feeling harassed. But in doing so, the school was complicit in shutting down Maggie Dion's First Amendment rights. All of a sudden, now she didn't have the, I mean, basically that Marxism thing, which is probably one of the things that she herself even talked about. Good for you, Maggie. Another victory for Alliance Defending Freedom. You can find the ADF banner at CrawfordMediaGroup.net or at KBrightRadio.com. Well, it's Thursday, and that means the this week's edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is coming up next. Stay with us as the bottom line continues.